This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Mindariwal. And welcome to The Loop. We are pretty deep into fall now. I mean, this morning it was frosting. So yes. we're almost out of fall at this point. But I think this is honestly been one of the most gorgeous Edmonton autumns I've ever seen, maybe? You are very lucky. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Because <laughs> this is not how it's, this is not how it works. No, I, I remember from, yeah. this is now I think my fourth winter, winter. that I'm heading into. And, right. um, but this has been real nice. This Loving is probably the, the latest, latest it's gone yes. since you've seen the white stuff. Absolutely. Normally we see it in September, yeah. right? Um, it's been really nice. It's also been very busy, very yes. pandemic-y. Uh, right. COVID is ever present. And as we go into the Thanksgiving weekend, I know um, a lot of people, including myself, are celebrating differently hopefully safer this year as yes. well, because that's still a top concern. Um, has it hit your plans at all? Or um, I, I'm working on Monday, so Fun. yeah, I don't have to worry about no anything Thanksgiving at all. Men. Yeah, Do you at least get like Maybe a turkey dinner or something? Maybe I'll parachute in and yeah, hopefully pick up a plate yeah. uh, when I come home there you and go. Uh, be looked after that way. But They um, like you. They'll save you something. Yeah, they will. <laughs> but I heard Dr. Hinshaw on uh, the radio uh, before even coming in this morning mm-hmm. talking about uh, the rules around yep. gathering and... Uh, you know, getting together with family if you're vaxxed or unvaxxed. Yeah, lots of rules, lots of reminders. Just depends if people will follow those rules. And I mean, on top of all that, we're right. heading straight for a municipal election. We are just weeks away at this point. Actually, no, we're just over a week. And it's kind of, I, I feel the momentum is kind of building. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sensing it out there, you know, it or maybe it's because we're talking like we're to people we're in an election. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't for a minute there, but it does finally feel like it. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just over a week at this point. Before Edmonton votes, in some cases, though, people have already started voting. Yeah, absolutely, Claire. Um, advanced voting opened this week, and uh, you know it's totally anecdotal, but there were some long lineups. Yeah, so that, that's a good sign. It's cool to see. Yeah, it is good to see, and it's possible people maybe just wanted to get in there early, avoid mm-hmm. the pandemic, um, or you know they had a hard time getting to the polls for the federal election, so you know they, they don't want to make that mistake twice. Definitely, yeah. Either way, good to see Edmontonians are taking advantage of advanced voting stations in our city. And there are also drive-through voting options in some areas. Which is kind of novel. Which is a bonus, yeah. We are a bit of a driving city. So yeah. if you're listening to this episode, when it launches on the 8th, uh, you can go this weekend. The voting is open, including Thanksgiving Monday up to October 13th. So they're accommodating everybody. Yeah, lots of opportunities if you don't want to rush out yeah. on the 18th itself. No excuses, right? No excuses. <laughs> We've had our lull between the federal election and now the, exactly. the municipal, the civic election. No excuse not to be engaged. Exactly. And uh, word is they've doubled up uh, the amount of stations. So there's one per ward, and you can go to the City of Edmonton website, put in your address, and uh, the stations closest to you will pop up. So yeah, that's super pretty easy handy. to find. Super, super easy. Yeah. So again, no excuses. But um, this week, we're continuing our series with Edmonton's Next Gen. Um, the Young Vote, of course. We're looking at wards and neighborhoods and all that good stuff because mm-hmm. we're going to talk urban planning and climate change. Um, I mean, we've already touched on this, but we have new wards this That's year, right. which is kind of changing things up a little bit. I'm in Papasteo. You're in Pejesawin. Right. Pejesawin, yeah. Um, but Southwest. We're also totally in different neighborhoods in yes. the city. Edmonton is a city of neighborhoods. Um, I'm a lot more central than you are right now. I'm kind of around Old Strathcona. But you, you've you actually lived in a few different neighborhoods in the city. I have. And um, I mean, uh, you know, having grown up here, uh, grown up, I grew up in Mill Woods, uh, right around the rec center there uh, by J. Percy Page and Holy mm-hmm. Trinity. I mean, I'm sure some people will be familiar with that area. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a uh, classic, um, you know, neighborhood in the burbs. Yeah. 
And then uh, after that, lived in Oliver Square. But of course, now Oliver Square is known as Unity Square. Other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Rarely used my car. McDonald's across the street. 20-minute walk to work. Yes. Uh, which was great. I like how McDonald's across the street. Yeah. That's not groceries. McDonald's. No. Well, that was at a time when, you know, being close to downtown and being able to go out. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Then, you okay. Know, Sherman. Yeah. yeah. Afterwards, okay. you need some food uh-huh. or whatever. But uh, yeah, lots changed since I lived in Oliver Square. <laughs> and so now I'm back in the burbs. Uh, yeah. In, in the Southwest and, uh, you know, driving to a train station or getting on a bus or dealing with traffic. There's so much diversity of communities. Yes. Um, you know, there's so many different ways you can live in the city and exist Certainly. as an Edmontonian, um, which is why we're going to dig into neighborhoods and urban planning and nice. green policy, too, um, because it has such an impact on our daily lives. So this week, our panel of three Edmontonians, Jeff Koo is an engineer working in urban planning spaces in the Edmonton area. Uh, Dylan Schoonover works in external relations for a post-secondary. And Davina Eisenstadt works in administrative support in the public sector. Hey, everybody. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, great to see you guys. And uh, thanks for being here this morning. And uh, we thought we'd start with urban planning, specifically neighborhoods, because Edmonton uh, has so many defined communities. And uh, there's this plan to develop 15-minute districts, the idea being that people can live more locally and, you know, use the services that are within walking distance in some cases. So uh, what neighborhood do you guys live in now? And uh, is it missing anything to make this a reality? Um, let's start with you, Dylan. Um, tell us a little about where you, uh, where you live and uh, if it's uh, set up to be uh, like these 15-minute districts at all. So I'm fortunate enough that I live in Grandin, which I think is a perfect example of the 15-minute community. I could walk to, I'd say, three different grocery stores from my house quite easily. I can walk down into the River Valley. I walk to work. So I think that definitely everything that I kind of need is within walking distance. Now, maybe I need to drive if I'm going, say, going to Costco, but even if it was a 15-minute walk, I would still be driving because... I'm not that committed to actually carry all that stuff back to my house. But I think Grandin is a great example of the type of neighborhood that has the the type of density and services uh, within it, contained within it, that allows for that 15-minute community. Davina, I mean, uh, much like you, I live in the Southwest as well. And uh, depending on how developed, I guess, your neighborhood is, these 15-minute districts are kind of uh, a reality. But uh, tell us about whereabouts you are and if anything like that is kind of uh, shaping up for you. Um, I'm in this brand new neighborhood within Edgemont called Woodhaven. In this brand new area, it's still really under development. Across the street from me, there's two brand new homes being built up. It's still within, I'd say, 15 minute drive, everything that I need to get to. Um, I can go to the YMCA gym. I can go to Terwilliger Rec Center. I can um, get my groceries. It's all within 15 minutes, but it's a drive. Uh, If anything, I'd like to see more uh, local businesses pop up, more amenities where we can meet and greet Others, especially when you're in a new community, to get a chance to meet others would be great. But there's no way I could walk. It was even like that in where I used to live. There was a Starbucks close by. You get your gas. There's a dentist, doctor, dry cleaning. But you'd have to drive there yeah. um, unless you'd have a super cool souped up bike. That <laughs> right. Something you could throw everything in. But I think it's great. And I hope we move towards that in mm-hmm. this new neighborhood. Uh, and finally, Jeff, uh, how about you? It sounds like you're, you probably don't use your car at all. <laughs> uh, especially work from home. Yeah. I live in the neighborhood of Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Uh, very fortunate, very similar to Dylan that everything is within walking distance. 
lots of restaurants and bars or whatever entertainment along White Ave. But then also more recently, really interesting developments like the Ritchie Market, where you walk by and that's really reactivated that corner in that space. It has everything in one little building, but has also encouraged more business um, in and around that area. So I could easily go for a walk with a friend and grab an ice cream. Yeah. Grab a donut Such and then grab ice an ice cream. cream. Such good ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm I know so exactly. envious. I would love that. Donuts are amazing. Right? Yeah. All these like great local businesses, like yeah. you just mentioned as well. And, and that's been really great to see. And I think there's examples of that in other neighborhoods that have popped up after Ritchie Market. So Oliver Exchange is also a really great True. example of that. And I've grown up in Edmonton and was from the Millwoods area before. And mm-hmm. there were little strip malls, but nothing similar to that kind of community feel yeah. the same way. And so I'd love to see that in and across the rest of the city. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's a vibe down there, right? Uh, how hard do you think it would be to create that in other places that don't have that? Because it wasn't too long ago where, you know, you would just drive right through Ritchie, but that's right. changed now. Absolutely. And I, I think there's a lot of credit to be given to a lot of the entrepreneurial spirit um, of Edmontonians too, right? And and people have taken advantage of certain spaces and just changed it to what it could be. So again, like this year when all the uh, local breweries decided to get together in the area along, I think they call it Happy Beer Street. (laughs) Yeah, just along 99th, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And that's brilliant. Taking a light industrial area and filling it with these interesting spaces for people to stop and not just drive by. So I think I think there are opportunities. Don't make it a carbon copy. That doesn't make sense. Right. You have to have um, a vision. Even, yeah, yeah. Es- especially like Oliver Exchange and Ritchie Market too. Like, don't make that a carbon copy. What makes sense for each of these neighborhoods to meet some of those needs? What's missing and what are those gaps? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are those um, services that people could use a little bit more like a daycare um, or more family-friendly restaurants as well that are more local, um, maybe not necessarily just big box chains, stores and that kind of thing too, right? So yeah. I think it can be recreated, but don't make it carbon copies. Make it like unique to those those areas. I think that would be better. I want to talk about density. Dylan already invoked the D word. Um <laughs> Which is a huge topic across the city, right? Building up these neighborhoods in different ways. And I want to hone in on infill, which has become a huge part of that plan because you all live in different areas, too. So I want to know how you feel about infill. Um, I mean, Davina, you were house hunting recently. Was that even something on your radar, maybe, that you were looking at? We were really looking at downtown areas, just places that Jeff was speaking to, places we could just pop on over for a bite to eat, a local coffee shop, places to meet with others. Um, So we're looking at the downtown area, but right now it was just the housing market was more within our budget, keeping to the southwest. Mm. But we definitely would have loved to live in those areas. I think infills are great. It's nice to have a mix of communities and, and, and to bring life back into really dead spaces that are in really wonderful locations. Being in our, I'm 30, uh, 
we just love the idea. Hey, if you're going to go to a hockey game, boom, you're right downtown. Mm -hmm. You want to meet up with friends, go for a drink. And also we're Festival City. If you wanted to mm -hmm. uh, get to Churchill Square, taste Edmonton, we love going to all of those events. So it was definitely on our wish list, yeah. but uh, didn't make the cut. So Affordability um, is a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Jeff, you're in one of these neighborhoods that is more mature and is seeing infill in different kinds of density getting mm -hmm. built. Um, what's your mm -hmm. take on, on what you're seeing and, and what's your feelings around it? I definitely have mixed feelings. <laughs> yeah. I uh. completely agree with the density thing. If we want to support these great little neighborhood spots for 15-minute districts, but also existing infrastructure. So things like our public libraries and our public schools or Catholic schools or whatever, we need more options and to have homes for families to be able to support these businesses, schools and everything so that they don't shut down. And we're seeing that impact from COVID uh, recently. I don't necessarily think some of the examples in, of infill have been that great. Some of them have been a little bit too big, I think. Like, mm -hmm. do we need like 12 foot, like vaulted ceilings for, for everything? <laughs> it's a little extreme, I think, for what it is. And I love the ideas of certain examples of things like a garden suite is still mm -hmm. an infill and those are great options mm -hmm. to densify and, and keep the character of the neighborhood and not make it too drastic of a large building next to a tiny bungalow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I like that option for intergenerational living too, coming from a background of immigrant parents we come from a culture of wanting to live close to our family. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's possible with housing affordability, but having the option of having a garden suite where my parents can age in place near me and I can look out for them mm -hmm. is like something that I would really like to see more of as well. So yeah, again, mixed feelings, yeah. but maybe we could have a more concerted way of doing uh, infill <laughs> and densifying. Don't make it too extreme in either direction kind of thing. It's true. I think infill, everyone thinks of the tall skinnies, yeah. right? But there is yeah. so yeah. much variety to it. I mean, Dylan, I'm seeing mm -hmm. some pretty aggressive nodding. Yeah, I think, uh, like Jeff said, I think it's about options mm. because I think, like you said, everybody, when you think of infill is thinking of the skinny houses where you're dividing a lot in half and but i think that a seven hundred thousand dollar skinny house isn't an option for a lot of people so <laughs> yeah. if you're looking to kind of improve density in the core you're still missing a lot of people especially younger families that are looking to kind of stay within the city and i think that's what's forcing people kind of farther and farther north or south hmm. to the outskirts of the city. Um, and yeah, I think it's easy for me to say, uh, be very pro-density. Like I said, I live in a condo <laughs> building. Grandin, I think, is the most dense neighborhood in the city. But I think, like as Jeff said as well, it's about preserving neighborhood character. Like you want to continue to evolve neighborhoods and kind of get the renewal, but also not have that really small kind of cool old bungalow next to like a, a house that looks radically different that's maybe twice as tall. And so I think that the garden suites or the secondary suites are a great option as well. My, one of my friends lives kind of in the Lendrum area close to Southgate. Uh, they developed their basement into a secondary suite. And I think that's a great way to add density where you're essentially adding another unit into an existing property, but it doesn't change the character of the house at all because you're not changing the outside. So mm -hmm. and Edmonton, I think, has been relatively fortunate 
that the secondary suite issue hasn't been contentious like it's been in Calgary where it turned into a, a big uh, fiasco with council there. Yeah, we've been a little more chill about it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, this week for me, downtown has been uh, kind of front and center and talking to businesses and about the construction and how it's had an impact on them. Obviously, the pandemic's done a, a pretty big number on downtown, you know, 65, 70,000 people usually coming down there to work are, are obviously not there right now. As far as mayors go, uh, it feels like since the beginning of time, everyone has talked about creating this world-class city. What What do you guys think? I mean, can we compete as a world-class city with the way our downtown is? That's a really good question. I, I was uh, thinking back to the golden age of 2015, where Edmonton <laughs> actually made the National Geographic top 10 summer cities right. to visit. Back in the because day. Because we, back in the glory <laughs> days. <laughs> Um, Normal days. And uh, <laughs> I used to live in Winnipeg. I actually uh, just nice. reached my nine-year milestone here in Edmonton. And um, I think uh, something that puts a city on the map is really a, a place you want to visit. Yeah. And, and that has uh, lots of excitement and action going on. It's tough to say right now because of the pandemic and I don't really want to speak to where we currently are at because it doesn't depict what our usual day day reality may be. Right. But that said, I think uh, we can get back to, um, it's never going to be back to where we used to be, but I hope we can get back to um, having a thriving and exciting uh, city. Um, even this past summer, we got Heritage Days back. I made it out to Taste at Edmonton. That was super cool. Um, to, to see some of these cities' uh, festivals come make a comeback, right. um, I think will really help put uh, Edmonton on the map. Another thing is our River Valley. That is one of the most unique things about Edmonton. Absolutely. And if we can... Uh, ensure that our river valley is well maintained and protected i find it yeah. so funny how any conversation about downtown and like bringing people to edmonton always comes back to, to the, the river, river valley, valley. Yeah. <laughs> like, well it's not far valley. from the downtown Anytime. right it's not far from yeah. downtown but it's always it's a, funny it, it's, it's right it's such a big part of the city that everyone's like but yeah. have you heard of the river valley exactly <laughs> have you heard and especially coming from winnipeg where we have a totally different uh Setup, yeah. geography there's nothing like the river valley dylan uh how about you I mean, um, you know, there has been all of these modifications to Jasper Avenue to beautify it, to make it look more world class. Uh, there is a train LRT that is going to be going through the heart of downtown now. So, I mean, I guess baby steps. Uh, it sounds like we still have a little bit of work to do to kind of get get that vibe of a big city, world class city. Feel. Yeah, I think exactly. I think it's like you said, the vibe. It's about right. attracting people downtown and giving them reasons to come downtown beyond work. Because I think even before COVID, one of the issues with downtown is if you went kind of out during the week, either at lunch or after work, there's a ton of people be all like at restaurants, at bars and kind of just walking around. But if you drove right. down Jasper Ave outside of the farmer's market area on 104th Street, it's downtown is pretty dead on the weekends. Yeah. especially during the day. So I think it's about unlocking those spaces in order to get people to come downtown. I think like there's opportunities to do more pop-up type events, say on 108th Street, kind of between Norquest and McEwen. I think it's the nice cobblestone street. And you had a nice view all the way down to the ledge. I think that was the intent yeah. when it was built that way was to kind of create that pedestrian-friendly kind of pathway down to the legislature to connect Edmonton to the, the provincial government. And mm -hmm. so I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I know 
closer over to where the government buildings are, closer to the federal building. They do a lot of food trucks during the week because there are, it, when everybody's in the office, there's a lot of people um, who are coming out for lunch and want to sit outside, especially in the summer. Right. So I think there's an opportunity to do more of that on the weekend and give people a reason to come back downtown um, that isn't just for an Oilers game. I, I love going <laughs> to Oilers games as much as anybody else, yeah. but I think we need more than the Oilers to attract people downtown. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I the, totally agree, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, isn't that the truth, right? Yeah, so, hey, Jeff, how about you? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. what's your take on uh, some of the changes that have kind of happened? Uh, obviously, some growing pains with all the construction and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I, I, it looks like there's a vision in place. We're trying to get to that. I believe there's been so many changes to that vision, right? It's evolved so many times. Right. Growing up here, I remember it being called Deadmonton. <laughs> and like for, for a while, like rightly so. Like yeah. it, there was not a lot to do. And and mm-hmm. as a young person, like a lot of my friends moved away. And now coming back and visiting, they noticed so many changes. And I've noticed so many changes. And it's all been good changes. It's really kept people engaged and wanting to stay central. Oh and they are entertained. And those are really good things to to think about. How do we kind of maintain that and keep that trajectory going i talk about the food scene here it's it's amazing it's gotten so much better than what it was yeah in the past and uh we have so many assets can we build on that there's great agriculture uh and local farming um can we take uh advantage of the good quality food yeah, the food, think, I'm glad you brought up the food scene because it, it, it mm-hmm. as a person who's grown up here as well, I mean, it is night and day. You build on top of mm-hmm. that you, and, then, and that adds more culture and, mm-hmm. and leads to other right. things. I think we're on that trajectory going back to that whole idea of, of being that world-class city and what that downtown is looking like. And like you mentioned, like we have the arena, great. Yeah. Let's let's finish the entertainment district around it, mm-hmm. right? right? Really build that out and like really get it to give that choice of how we want to be entertained and what we want to do in the downtown core. Can we connect it, like you said, the LRT to our other assets like West Edmonton Mall for the tourists? That is still a huge attraction for a lot of people. Can we get our LRT to get fully connected to the airport? So when people travel here, they're not taking a taxi or Ubering, but they can take a train straight to downtown. I think we're on the right path, a few more yeah. Uh, upgrades here and there and just like finishing some of those major construction projects can really help. And like right now I'm working from home because of the pandemic, but mm-hmm. I have always mostly worked downtown. And one of my favorite things is after work going out uh, at least once, maybe twice um, <laughs> with coworkers uh, or meeting friends downtown after work, yeah. grabbing a quick drink or, you know, a, a dinner or a meal, that kind of thing. Ima- imagine that eh? a train to the airport. <laughs> What an idea. What a concept. Wow. Right? Innovation. Yeah, amazing. Maybe we'll get One there. Day. Maybe we'll get there. I'm, One day. I'm One glad day. we're talking about LRT, though, because transportation and how people get around is a huge thing that affects how people experience the city and the city itself and urban planning and climate change. It, it's massive. So I want to know, you know, bike lanes, buses, LRT, what would you like to see the city move towards? Jeff, maybe we can go back to you, but you're in a neighborhood that's seeing some LRT construction right now, but what does transportation mean to you in the city and and what what do you want from it? I live just west of the new Valley Line South uh, Southeast LRT line. And for me, it's just about choice. It's just giving people choice to do and travel and get from point A to point B, however, which way they want. 
so whether that you know be more bike lanes that's that's fine i live in an area where i've seen a ton of people use the bike lanes every day mm-hmm. i have to watch <laughs> when i cross the street to make sure i'm not <laughs> interrupting someone's path or Absolutely. or you know blindly walking in front of a bike it's great to have the options to take the train or transit the bus to get to and from work mm-hmm. it helps me decompress after a long day of work as well without having to worry about like paying attention to the road or whatever that kind of thing i'm not getting road rage because you know there's i'm not moving my car for me transit and transportation is is really about making the choices and just making sure that infrastructure is there and making sure everyone can get to and from where they want on time and safely definitely I think they're on the right trajectory. It's just about, like as Jeff had mentioned, finishing the projects that are underway and mm-hmm. making sure that they all get interconnected uh, as they're designed to. I think the West LRT line, the finishing that will be really important and the line to Mill Woods will be really important as well. And I think, yeah, exactly. The bike lanes, I know that there some people don't like them, but I think <laughs> the creating some. the opportunity, yeah, I think might be a polite way of putting it, but I think uh, oh. they're here. And so what is somebody going to do? Come along and, and rip them up. Mm-hmm. But I think having that separated bike lanes and giving people the option to uh, use active forms of transportation is really important. And again, it's easy for me to say as someone who doesn't have kids and who yeah. lives in a condo, I can walk to work, I can walk to the grocery store. So it's really easy for me to kind of not have to drive all that often unless I really do need to go out to, say, Costco or go out to South Common to grab furniture from Ikea, something like that. <laughs> But I think we do need to recognize that there are people who say they, they have to pick their kids up from school and one kid has soccer practice and the other mm-hmm. one is hockey practice. You know, and downtown isn't the only economic hub in the city. Like we talked about logistics being a big opportunity for Edmonton to kind of transition into a new economy. And a lot of that is based out in the Edmonton International Airport and in that steep south part of the city. So I think we need to recognize that people do need to drive for a variety of reasons. But again, you need to be able to give people the options to mm-hmm. transport themselves in the way that makes the most sense for them. Uh, and if they don't have that option, then everybody's just going to be driving all the time. Yeah, it's a balancing of all these competing kind of needs that are all important to the city. But of course, everyone has their own priorities. Davina, you're on the other side of Dylan, right? Like you need a car to get places, active yeah. transportation. What does that look like to you? Right now, I I wish I had more of a choice, but to get to work, if I had to cover uh, for a colleague to get downtown, Mm -hmm. if I were to choose to bike, we're looking at maybe uh, an hour and a half, two hours. I'd have to navigate some of our bike trails. Imagine (laughs) that in the dead of winter, minus 25, uh, I would be on a Survivor TV show (laughs) making my way to downtown. Um, Biking and afraid. Yeah, (laughs) biking and afraid. Watch out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, ever since I came to Edmonton, I have to rely on getting around with my car. Even when I used to live in um, my former neighborhood, if I wanted to bus to the West Edmonton Mall, one bus would come every 30, 40 minutes where I could just drive and get to West Edmonton Mall in 10 minutes to take a bus. It's going to be a lot longer. If I were to take a bus to work, you have to think of how do I want to plan out my day? I wouldn't Mm -hmm. mind, you know, 
bringing my bike in my car. I have a big SUV. So once I get to downtown, explore some trails in the city, but really rely on using my car. Like Jeff spoke to, same with Dylan. If we had uh, more options to connect the west side of our city, like I'm all for uh, LRT expansion, connect a train to West Edmonton Mall. If I could drive, get to West Edmonton Mall, hop on the LRT, mm-hmm. take my e-scooter around, you know, downtown core, get a donut, get a coffee. <laughs> that would you be got it all mapped like, out. Oh, yeah, that's peak that millennial lifestyle. <laughs> Scooter, donut, coffee. Um, we just need a, <laughs> yeah, we need coffee holders in our e-scooters. That <laughs> would help. That is a million dollar idea. I mean, that I want to push on this because we did hear one candidate talk about specifically the West Valley Line, LRT, and, and the idea of taking that off the table. Dylan, wow. Davina, both of you have mentioned now getting LRTs out to the West and that kind of thing. How did you react to that? That was from Cheryl Watson, of course. Um, Dylan, what did you think when you heard that? To put it lightly, I guess it was incredibly disappointing to Mm -hmm. see that because I think so much uh, money has already been invested in that the project is already so far along. So to pull back from that, one, as a uh, city taxpayer, it seems like an incredible waste of money to just walk away from it at this point. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really see how you can square the circle of saying that you want to promote downtown and downtown is an economic hub and we need to revitalize downtown, but we're also going to cut off a huge transportation avenue into and out of downtown that would ideally allow a lot of people to kind of get back and forth and not have to drive and actually make it a lot easier for people to come downtown. And if you can make it easier, they're more likely to come, especially if you say you want to come out for dinner, you want to go out for dinner and you want to maybe have a couple drinks, then maybe you take the train and then Uber back or vice versa. But you're not for, if you drive downtown, one person is kind of either you have to find a, a DD or you're leaving your vehicle down there and then it's a big hassle to kind of come back and get it the next day. So I think it kind of goes back to where the thinking that was really prevalent uh, with council maybe 15 years ago when it was really kind of insular thinking and not really planning for the future because a lot of the messaging that I saw was the reason for not supporting the line was because COVID has changed the way that people are coming downtown and there's not as many people down there But if we're assuming that this is not the reality forever, which I really think that's the case, like eventually we're going to be through this and we'll adapt to the new reality. Fingers crossed. You need to be thinking more than two years ahead of time when you're spending that much money on these critical infrastructure projects. Yeah. Davina, anything to add? I'm really discouraged by the fact that it's off the table for now. Um, We need to think long term. And right now is the time, especially in a pandemic, now is the time to do all the constructing, development, while people are mainly work from home. If you think about it, owning a car, the price of gas, it's a luxury. So we need to have everyone have an option. It's affordable, it's safe, it's efficient, gets you from point A to point B in a expedient amount of time. I think we need to really think long term, not in the next one or two years. We need to think 10, 15, 20 years down the road, if we really want to revive the downtown core, we got to get people there. You know, I I really believe if you build it, they will come. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. Uh, Like I said earlier, like if we're looking at being that world class city and we want to attract people here and we're connecting our major attractions, that just bodes well for us, I think. So to not have 
West Ed and downtown connected easily by an LRT line, I think takes away uh, a lot of that opportunity. So yeah, that's a little disappointing to hear from a, a mayoral candidate, unfortunately. Sticking with transportation, guys, um, you know, we can't talk about it without its effect on our climate, of course. And we've heard you guys weigh in on how some candidates feel about expanding or slowing down uh, work on, an, on on the LRTs or adding bike lanes. You know, how does their take uh, on on green policies or, or lack thereof affect which candidate you uh, support or, or, or earns your vote? Uh, for me, having uh, green policies is imperative in who I am going to elect for our next mayor. I think we have to keep in mind um, climate change and reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, reducing our carbon emissions. You have to implement that in all future policies. So when it comes to having a greener city, I would love to get on board with having an electric vehicle. It's definitely difficult with our climate in the winter time. Um, <laughs> maybe soon there will be even better technology. But when I'm thinking about who I want to see run our city, uh, I want to see them thinking in an innovative creative way, uh, thinking sustainability and thinking for the long term, how that's going to benefit our city. And uh, those are things that are really important to me. Yeah, I think it's definitely a consideration as you're evaluating candidates. I think that we are well past the point of agreeing that climate change is a clear and present issue that needs a serious action. And I think that Edmonton has done a really good job of developing a variety of plans from the energy transition plan to the climate resiliency strategy. I think there are a lot of good plans that the city has taken a lot of time and effort and thought into creating, but now it's time for the next mayor and council to actually action those plans. And so I think having someone come in that's trying to take a radically different approach will just meant that the last, say, four or five years are just a complete waste of time. Right. And I think that with climate change, the the sooner you take action, the better. Like, it's better to do it now than to do it tomorrow. So I think uh, definitely that's an important piece of any candidate's policy. And it would be, yeah, I think anybody that's kind of looking to take steps back from where we are already would be off the table for me. And I know that Edmonton is a very carbon intensive city. I think it's one of the most carbon intensive municipalities in the country. Yeah. So Edmonton needs to be a leader in order to help assist in Alberta and the, the country meeting those climate change targets. So yeah, it's definitely an important issue when I'm evaluating candidates. Jeff, what do you think? I mean, green policies, do you think the voter uh, has it up there as you know, in, the, in their top five, top three? I, I I don't know. I would hope so. Right. I know personally. Yeah, absolutely. It's in my top three. Um, and it and it's so it's so many factors too, right? It's do are we going to elect those that are going to be proactive and start thinking about the future for us and um, our next generations in Edmonton, so that we have a good social well-being as we live in our cities too, right? We're, we're living and we feel safe and we know that we're safe even amongst all these climate change issues, right? We've seen this past summer, it's been the hottest it's ever been, yeah. to my knowledge, living here uh, for 30-some years. Yeah. We've heard news about the glaciers in, in the Rockies, the ones that are feeding into our waterways. And if we're not protecting those, are we going to go into a water crisis? Are we going to see uh, storms where we're going to have flooding in areas of the city? And, you know, that impacts people. And we don't want residents to be 
impacted negatively or be unwell or, or not safe because of that. So I think there's all these other extra pieces along about that proactivity. Are we getting a council that are going to look at um, these aspects and, and make sure that we're looking at how we're impacting climate, but also how climate is going to impact us? These are all like lovely ideas for the future, but I want to put you guys on the spot. <laughs> Who do you think can actually lead us towards this future replanning? Who has earned your vote or or at least your attention when it comes to these greener policies? Uh, so I think based on not only their ability to kind of lead on the climate change front, but I think the entire suite of their background and abilities and platform, I think that Kim Cruchelle is the candidate that I'll be supporting for mayor. Mm-hmm. I think that she'd be, I see a thumbs up. <laughs> Davina, <laughs> Davina agrees. <laughs> but yeah, I think that Kim is committed to, on the, as I know we're talking about climate change right now, I think that she is committed to actioning the, the plans that are in place already. So mm-hmm. that was a big plus for me. So yeah, I think of the mayoral candidates, it would be Kim Cruchelle. Climate change, economic development, I think would be two of my key issues that I was looking for and which candidate I'm going to support. And I think that she's got a good plan, a good platform on both sides. So I was very happy to see that. Mm -hmm. So Davina, using my psychic powers, uh, (laughs) I feel like you also like Cruchelle. You are so accurate. Yes. Um, when I was evaluating um, each mayoral uh, platform, I want to see what they have uh, on their platform about climate change and, and how that plays into other areas of their platform. And Kim Cruchelle really stood out for me, especially her background in tech. Um, I think she can come up with really smart creative and innovative ways to implement these green policies and take action. And also, I'm also looking at someone who's really wanting to inspire change mm. because to you can have this all written down in paper, but taking action, you want to bring others on board with you. And what Jeff was speaking to, it goes beyond just what's on paper and what looks good. It, it's our everyday lives. And for the next generation, I'm not a parent yet, but for when that time comes, I don't want to leave these issues to my kids or my grandkids. Uh, I want to see this change in my lifetime. I'm 30. I'm going to live till at least 100. Let's hope. So <laughs> we've got 70 years to go. If we start acting now, think about where we're going to be 70 years from now. We're going to look back at this small time and think about how much has changed. Mm-hmm. If I'm this tired in my 20s, I don't even want to think about what 100 is going to feel like. <laughs> Jeff, is climate change, is that part of your key issues that you look for and how you've decided which candidate or candidates to throw your support behind this election? It's it's one of. I think coming out of the pandemic or moving towards coming out of the pandemic, whoever knows, like... <laughs> We're all like that knocking on wood whenever over here. That happens, yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of. And for me, it's, it's also, uh, like Dylan mentioned, economic recovery, diversification. Those are really important pieces. But then there's also a huge piece of equity in my eyes, poverty reduction, uh, housing and homelessness, those issues also become top of mind. Mm. And it's hard to to balance against all of those factors. Absolutely. Yeah, making a choice for mayor and, and, and this upcoming election. And I think there are great choices in that. And so I am looking at um, 
trying to see if I can, like an intersectional lens of all of that. Like who is the best uh, out of all of that that helps balance and making sure that, you know, we have just transitions in energy and just transitions in diversifying our economy. And are they looking at supporting the smaller local businesses? Are they supporting the services that make Edmonton great, that made Edmonton great for when I was growing up. So including things like public libraries and, and those kind of things as well. So yeah, it's it's part of it, but it's not my sole front-running factor for me. Have you found a candidate that kind of meets all of those hopes that you have for the future of the city? For mayor, I'm leaning towards Sohi. Mm-hmm. I think similar to Chriselle, they've both been former city councillors. Ashri has also been, and, and those are really great experiences. But uh, so he has also worked as, you know, a bus driver. And that's like a great story. And he is also a person of color and has that immigrant experience. So for me, having that lens really helps and hopefully doesn't leave people behind. Um, So I constantly think about my parents as, you know, I'm a firstborn uh, generation Chinese Canadian citizen. And so I think about my parents and and how they're growing up and aging. So yeah, for me, so he kind of represents a little bit of that equity lens that I'm hoping for um, in my choices. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton, and our team is Min Dariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Aberstock, Christina Silva, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning into our The Young Vote series. We've still got another episode coming up before the election, so, you know, don't leave. Uh, let us know your thoughts, too, ahead of Edmonton's municipal election October 18th. You could win a loop prize pack. We've got a tote, a pin, a super cool travel mug that Mint still doesn't I have any of. haven't seen any of that stuff. <laughs> I have What's it all. What's happening here? Uh, shh. Don't worry about it. Okay. If you want all that stuff before Min does, or maybe Min, you could even send us an email. (laughs) Tell us what's on your mind as you prepare for the vote. That's the loop at cbc.ca. But in the meantime and in between time, you can hang out with us right here in the loop every Friday in your feeds. You can leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. Use the hashtag the loop CBC on social media, or you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm mine's pretty easy at Min Dariwal, and uh, Claire's is that Nami no, Nami Knob. You always overpronounce it. It's just Nami Knob. Nami Knob. There you go. <laughs> it's her. It's her name backwards. Oh yeah. And of course, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.